everybody, and welcome again to another edition of Average Superstar TV. I am your host, Laura Lepre. Boom! Please hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. We got a new show for you every Monday morning. And this week, we are back in the music world. Uh, this week's guest is someone who actually I go back to from 1995, through the, originally through the Pennsylvania hardcore scene. Uh, this, I'm really proud of this girl. She's uh, I've known this girl a long time, and uh, I really think her band is amazing. And with that, I welcome Laura Palmer from the Screaming Rebel Angels. Hey, Lauren, how are you? Good to yeah, see you. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, long time friend. So, yeah, like 1995, I was like 12. So I started. <laughs> Maybe even 11. Who knows? <laughs> And you were already doing your uh, your your fanzine. Your you had yeah. I think you had like four or five issues out, and you with Nick were running your shows at Exit Six at Newfoundland uh, Fire Hall. Yeah, that's right. I yeah, I think when I was like a sophomore in high school, I started a fanzine, and then I was just like interviewing everybody. Had a little distro. We put together like punk rock hardcore shows at the fire hall. Um, yeah, that's wild. <laughs> you had everybody oh, there too, and I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know who the hell would even be able to confirm this. I think you're the first. You between you and Nick, whoever was running that, um, you might have been the first to bring Candaria to Pennsylvania. Yes, we were. Okay, we totally were. Yeah, that's so. That's so funny. Yeah, um, and I, I remember like. Because I knew a lot, but I was also getting to know. I was still, you know, because I was in, in 93, 94, but I probably did maybe a dozen shows, if that, between them two years. So 95 is when I'm like, I'm going to live this. It's going to be my life. And everybody steps like, Candiria's coming. I'm like, okay. You know, like, Fury of Fives here. <laughs> this one, that one. They're like, no, you don't get it. Candiria's coming. And really quickly, I was like, wow. Like, like everyone's flocked to the drummer and everything. It was, it was just, it was just crazy. God, yeah, that was like I had no idea what to do. Like, you know, <laughs> we were literally like children. <laughs> yeah, like, you were. Hey, do you guys want to come play a show? Yeah. I don't know. Like, oh, PA was or any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like called like Dan Engel something. I'm like, do you have a PA? What's a PA? <laughs> <laughs> that was a perfect oh, guy God. to call. <laughs> yeah. No, there's so many. I feel like there's just so many things in my life that were really cool I got to do because I didn't know I should have said no <laughs> to like, like, oh, I don't know how to do it. Just kind but of figure it out all, as you go. So we were all building that scene up there in, in Pennsylvania, the, the NEPA area. So like we, we were kind of learning on the fly, if you really think about it. Yeah. And yeah. Then. Just, you know, that was the only way to do it. There wasn't anything else. There wasn't like some, you know magazine or internet or like anywhere to like figure out what was going on or what was cool it's like all you have are those like really really big huge shows and like it was spice girls or something and then you had like punk rock shows that you put together with your friends um, yeah and uh it still and i'm sure you'll get into this too it shaped who we are to this day without without a doubt of of just who, who we are as our identity what we got out of that music into what we are now. It's definitely me being a film guy. Without a doubt, I carry the DIY. And when they explain the way of doing something, I'd be like, yeah, I could probably do it this way. I go, no, 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 this is the way you have to do it. I'm like, 
because what you were trained that way. Like, let me let, or, <laughs> let me try to do something like that. And then, oh my god, that works! I'm like, where'd you come? I'm like, just, just you know, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, right. you figure it out. You you wing it sometimes. So, so going back, like I said, I know I met you in '95. You were pretty already a staff. You knew everybody. So it's kind of curious. How did you even find out about the Pennsylvania hardcore scene? Um. So I was literally 12 years old and I went to my like first show at a fire hall and it was one of my classmates, older brother was like in the band. Um, I think it was like Connor Logan's older brother was like a drummer and he's like, oh, hey, why don't you come to the show? It's at the fire hall, like in White Mills or something. And then I just went there and I was like, oh, this is amazing. There was just like so many young people. It was, you know, just. Um, it was just like surreal. And then I was just kind of like, all right, what's the next show? And it was really cool to just see people making music and they were just like right there. It kind of, it took like the, I don't want to say it took the mystery out of it, but it took the bit of, um, like that wall between, you know, what you can do and what you can't do, what you should do and what you shouldn't do as far as like, you know, um, just like your capabilities. And it goes back to that DIY ethic where we just figure it out. We're like, oh, we want to do this? Cool, let's do it. And then you just figure it out on the fly. Um, and yeah, so I started going to shows. Um, and I also had, so I was also taking violin lessons and I was playing violin and my violin family's teacher, um, her children were all like a few years older than me. Um, and I thought they were so cool. And so uh, Deirdre, who was my violin teacher's oldest daughter, um, she was into like um, um, Bikini Kill and Bratmobile and Liz Fair. And so like she taught me about like all this really awesome like Rye Girl stuff that was going on. Um, and then I started bringing in my own friends that were that I went to like school with, like since grade school, like Nick and Gina um, and we just were like, you know, it, it was something that really resonated with us. And we just wanted to continue to like create the community because there was nothing else to do. It was like, literally, I grew up like my house was like, you know, a bunch of like retired people around me. I was on a dirt road, uh, hay fields all around. It's not like we could go out and do anything else, you know, like the biggest city was like Scranton, which was like 45 minutes away from me. Yeah. We, <laughs> I, I totally get you of, of stuff to do slash and then the love we had for each other sometimes like on a weeknight you're driving an hour just to hang out for a few hours with with of your you know of your kind and then back home and up for school the next day or work or whatever you know it was absolutely yeah it's either that or you're home yeah and and what watching other people live on tv that's that's no no it's i just I loved making like that fancy and I, oh my God, I found a few copies and I read it and it's terrible and I will never share it because it's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. I still have mine. I might flash oh some pictures up. <laughs> God, no, please don't. I'm just reading it. I was like, oh God, this writing, angry teenage girl writing. But you made yours for anyone in the newer side. You actually like you got a copy and then you would you would do each page and you would run to what Walmart or Wegmans or something and, and run a hundred copies off of each side, right? Yeah, we'd have to go to Staples. Yeah. And just would like I would I would hand make the copy, like I would cut and paste and draw on it and then I would just photocopy it and yeah. take it to Staples or something. And 
Yeah. You know? Mine was Wegmans in Dixon City. And I remember <laughs> I, I would run when I had final stand and stuff or, or any anything I, that I had to promote. That was, uh, I would I would go there and <laughs> do the copy and I would do like three or hundred copies easy. Oh my God. And I'd bring it to the register and the guy's like, I ain't counting. I don't know how many you got. I'm like, I got like a hundred. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's not going to count it. You know, it's like five cents or something or three cents a copy, but you're, oh. you're, you're, you're scamming. You're walking out like, ha ha ha. I God, I don't. Yeah, it was so hard. Yeah, making the copies and putting them together and like collating them, stapling them, and then you, I would try to sell them at shows for like a dollar each, so I could make them enough money to get into the shows. Yep. Uh, yep. Because the shows would be like eight bucks to get in, or like, oh, it's so expensive. Yeah. I remember one time, uh, Shelter played at Mantis Green, and the cover charge was ten bucks, and we were all like, whoa. Yeah, oh, yeah. That doesn't. <laughs> I I literally remember thinking about it, like, oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. My entire paycheck went to the, those shows. I swear, between the gas and the cover, and then when I got inside, I tried to buy a shirt. I was buying band shirts before they even played. So, like, even after, I'd be like, they weren't that good, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's how into it, and we were extremely loyal. To that. Yeah, yeah. It was really special, and you know now. I mean, I basically, I moved to New York, like right out of high school almost. And like a lot of the friends and the bands that played in those shows that we were going to are my friends now. And it, it just, they, they've kind of confirmed like what a special moment in time that was and how there wasn't really a lot of other areas that were as much of the, like the kids that were really into it and just so DIY. Um, yeah. So it was cool. We got to be a part of that, like small little bit of, it felt like it was so long, but it was probably like two or three years, you know? There was yeah. So and when did, when did you go to New York? Um, let's see. Well, my last year of high school, um, I went to like four different high schools. It's a story we won't get into. But um, I Bad think girl. like 1998 or 97, I think. Um, I let everyone know how old I am now. Like, I think like when, yeah, 1997. Uh, okay. Yeah, and I went. I moved into the Philly area in '99, so you know we kind of made our our life jump. So when you yeah. jump up to New York, are you going for school? Well, I had What's started. Change? Going, I started going to school in uh, Pennsylvania, um, and then it just like it was too much working, and um, so I was I wanted to go to um, NYU, um, but I wound up, you know. Um, um, so I moved, I moved, um, to New York. I had like a backpack and $400. Nick actually got me a job at this place called gray dog coffee. And I wound up being a dishwasher and like a delivery person. And then, <laughs> and from there it was kind of bizarre because then I was meeting like all these professors that actually like worked at NYU or Fordham. And I started kind of working for them or I would be writing. I'd show them my writing. Um, and I actually got into fashion from that crazy job where I was a dishwasher too, because one of the line cooks, his dad, um, his dad owned a fashion showroom and he was like, Hey, do you want to try working as a sales assistant there? Um, so that's actually how I got into fashion. So all this crazy 
So yeah, weren't you doing? Were you doing? If I remember right, were you doing like articles and stuff? Was that like another thing you eventually? My, my, my remembering you right, or am I throwing out wrong info? Um, I mean, like I journalist was, stuff. I thought I, I thought you were I was of, what? like almost like a journalist. I didn't know if you were Lois laning the place up or something. But no, no, I wasn't. I was. Um, so my Lois Lane job is that I'm right now. I'm a creative director for a kids clothing company. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I've been working in fashion basically since then, co-siding alongside my uh, rock and roll music career. Okay. So. so let's jump right into that. So all of a sudden, you know, you, uh, I blink and all of a sudden there's Laura in a, in a rockabilly band. So like, <laughs> where where does that come from? Because I, I, I love that era. I love rockabilly. I love, it's like weird. It's like. I still love hardcore and now that brother sisterhood is so important to me, but as your life progress, you get into so much more music and like, I'm yeah. obsessed with like the sun records and everybody from that label. I mean, it's, it, it's crazy, but so where, where did, uh, where'd that come from at your end? So, um, I went to my first rockabilly show, I think when I was like 18 or 19. Um, and I was in New York already um, and it was somewhere out on Long Island, and I think it was either in a bar or somebody's basement. Um, and I just saw it, and it was like the same like punk rock energy that we had, and that same like family, but it was just like an upright bass and like this crazy fashion and these really like catchy songs, and it was like you know um, couples dancing, and it was just really like I, I felt like I was like in a scene out of a movie. Um, and I just kind of, I fell in love with that just because, um, I think at that time I, it's not that I had I, like the hardcore and punk rock will always have a special place in my heart. Um, but I think also as you kind of like grow up and you get older and you just like, you're kind of disillusioned by some of these things. Um, and then when I saw Rockabilly, I was like, oh my God, this is just really kind of what I need now in my life. and like this family and it was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 It I always said, well, when it came to hardcore, like we were, we were angry kids calling out our government and coming up with solutions, talking about family life, school and all that. But when you get yeah. to the real world after a while, it's kind of like those songs aren't going to work for you anymore it, because you have to deal with real life. So, you know, working, yeah. you know, it's like the lyrics weren't working. And then as you even age, like you're not talking about like, Am I going to be uh, healthy as I get older? Do I need to live? <laughs> do I need to live near good hospitals? Uh, where am I going to retire? And all they don't have that in hardcore right now. So you know, certain no. don't, uh, resonate with you. The, the, the music doesn't resonate as much. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what it was too. It's like you know that was. It, I mean, no. Yeah, when I see like a, a young, new band come out, they're angry and they're all like twenty to twenty-five. I'm like, dude, but I have nothing to talk to you guys about. Like, <laughs> I get it. I was you. I'm not knocking you, but I'm just saying right now what you're saying, yeah. it doesn't doesn't flow for me at this moment. You know, in, in time, like yeah. You know, so it's yeah, it's it's definitely different things that resonate with you. And I think at that time is exactly what I needed for like punk rock and having that family. Um, Cause I had a, not the most ideal home life. Um, and so that was kind of like the family I created. And I think that being exposed to all of that music that was able to verbalize your anger and like, this isn't right. And to be able to have 
um, just give you like the courage to like sit up and be like, this is wrong. And this is why it's wrong is something that I took with me everywhere. But then after, you know, you take that with you and then you just continue to accumulate experiences and grow and find the stuff that you love and find the stuff that you want to nurture and grow. And sometimes it's not just like that kind of like the angry music that you want to nurture. You want to nurture like the fun music, the hopeful music, the music where you just forget about like your work week and you just want to like dance, you know. So it just really kind of my world just kind of really expanded. And then what did you just, what are you just kind of like following the shows around almost like you did hardcore, got your name out there and then you start thinking about getting a band together. How's that all come together? Oh man. Well, there's like a few years in between that. Um, and so I know I was still like real when I was still like pretty young, it was like a few years. I didn't really go out. I was super, super shy. I was not probably, um, you know, like I've always had like crazy, like social anxiety and kind of like didn't fit in in certain things. Um, and um, like I had a major life change basically, um, probably like around like 24 or something. And then suddenly I was like, wait, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go into music again. And I didn't know how to just be an observer of music. So I was like, well, I'm going to start putting on these festivals I want to see this kind of music like I don't see like these smaller shows um and so I just kind of again I started DJing I started putting together shows I started um you know I'd sing a tune with a band like here and there from a show um and then it just kind of grew and grew and grew from that that's great and I mean how many albums do you have out now because I know I, I at least have three of them uh three four Oh, I don't know. I have like <laughs> random, random ones, EP singles that come out. I don't know how many full lengths, two, three. I don't know. EPs. I'm working on new stuff. So gotcha. We'll get on the new stuff in a moment, but you did tour for like, I remember for a while as you were posting from everywhere. So did you? Oh yeah. I still like, I still go out and jump on tour. Um, I think after um, I haven't been back to Europe since the pandemic, uh -huh. um, but I was touring Europe pretty regularly, Canada, um, and I'm still bouncing back and forth between the East Coast and the West Coast because I have an East Coast band and a West Coast band. So Screaming Rebel Angels is your East Coast? Or, uh, Screaming I, Rebel Angels is there is an East Coast lineup and a West Coast lineup. And, yeah, which is pretty it's pretty awesome. It's like Voltron. There's the line and there was the 15 cars. I like that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Well, it just, it kind of happened that way. Cause I just go out and, you know, I play um, like upright bass. I mean, I play a bunch of instruments, but playing like upright rockabilly slap bass. Um, I started playing in other people's bands and play with other musicians and then be like, Oh, Hey, can you fill in for this? Can you fill in for that? Um, and then my West coast lineup is actually, a lineup that I played with in the Swedish band, the Go-Getters. So we kind of, I met uh, the guitarist through there and his brother was already playing drums with me. Um, and so we've been kind of playing together since 2017. So that's like almost six years playing with like these West Coast guys, the Martinez brothers. I absolutely adore them. So I've definitely been my fair share of Rockabilly shows. So is it when you're torn, I mean, do you have those 
shows where they do super good and then those other ones were like oh damn 20 people came and uh, are, are you struggling <laughs> as a band of like you didn't make enough of merch so now the next to get to the next i mean you still going through all that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll play, like a festival and it'll be like oh it's a huge festival and then like the day after we'll play like here's like an example we played like uh fort wayne indiana and for some reason everybody thought the show started like an hour after it ended <laughs> so we played to like three people uh, and oh we still have shows like that um i think that's just kind of the nature of it um try not to have that many of them <laughs> yeah yeah you, you, you can never predict the future and when yeah, you're over, when you're overseas because i don't know how was how's like the fandom of rockabilly is it kind of no different than america it's like <laughs> what we just said or, or is it way bigger over there it's very different i can even say just throughout the country because even like the country is so big um, the difference between the East Coast, West Coast, Texas, um, the Midwest, it's just completely different scenes every, everywhere. Um, I love uh, touring Europe. Europe's always fun. Um, it's usually always based on a nice festival. So we have like a good show coming up there. Um, and thankfully, we've had some fans um, thinking of this one fan, Johan, who has come to every single one of our shows for like years. And I think he's seen us in seven different countries. So every once in a while, we're there, and I'll just like pop up. Wow. <laughs> um, and so we've made some really, really great friends and like long-term fans there. Um, and there, people are just like so kind to us um, anytime we're out there. And so it, between, like you said, the Midwest, the here, and the mm -hmm. East Coast, and the West Coast, you're, every, everything's kind of completely different, huh? Yes, pretty much. I I think so. Um, yeah, it's different. It's kind of like it's different crowds, different styles of music. Um, if you notice, like the bands that we play with. Um, and I love it. I love seeing like the diversity of all of it and getting to just kind of like absorb all of it. Um and what's kind of been interesting is like in still playing recently now, like in the Northeast, we're playing with bands who are like, oh, my God, I loved your band since I was like in like school or something. And now I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm turning into like that. Uh, so, yeah. Or like your band was an influence. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Um, great. So in, uh, in addition to that, you're now doing a, a solo album with the help of the great Rosie, right? Yes. So I am, I have been working on my solo rec I've been working on a whole bunch of different weird music. Um, and weird, weird music or, or, or rock? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Column A, okay. column B. I have okay. like this electronic music I've been working on for a while. Um, so that's kind of like over, over there in this kind of like pile. Um, and then I've been working on um, my solo music, which is a little bit more than rockabilly. It's like um, really more kind of soul influence, just kind of like bigger songs, more singing, more um, uh, just a different type of arrangements. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited to get that going because I feel like that's definitely kind of, um, something I haven't fully explored in full as far as songwriting um, going. So um, yeah, I've just been playing around, taking my time with it. Um, I'm also, um, Rosie Flores is going to produce a few tracks 
And I absolutely adore Rosie. Um, I've worked with her for a bit in a whole bunch of different capacities. And she's been, you know, she's probably one of the best guitar players ever. She started playing guitar in the 70s. Um, and she was just like in this punk rock band called Screaming Sirens. And she just shreds on lead guitar. And then she went into like rockabilly and blues and just like all these great things. In the 90s, she was the one that actually produced um, Wanda Jackson and Janice Martin and kind of started bringing them back into a wider audience. Um, and so I worked I, the Jackson show at the Trocadero. Oh, like when their last year before she retired. So I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's such a fun opportunity to work with Rosie and she kind of like hears these things in my voice and these other things that, you know, she wants to kind of expand on. Um, so it's not gonna be the same as screaming rebel angels. Cause you know, I've, I've been doing that screaming rebel angels exists. But then I also want to see, you know, what else, what else comes out of here. So are, are you and Rosie going to going to be doing all the music or are you bringing in like all star cast of piece people maybe to cut? Well, it'll be, so I think she's so far, she's producing two of the songs. Um, I have about maybe six songs that I'm producing. Um, I'm doing a lot of the instruments on my own on um, some of the tracks that I'm producing. I'm bringing in more people. Um, I'm just going to probably make the decisions that are going to be best for the song. Um, and it's just kind of easier sometimes playing a lot of the instruments when I'm in my home studio working on it and kind of like layering. Yeah. When you first jumped into the scene, obviously, uh, well, the rockabilly scene, uh, you, obviously it was a whole new world. You said it was what you needed. Did Was there like bands that you were watching that were influencing you or were, were, did it make you turn back the clock to our classical artists that maybe had some influence on you. Oh, no, it was like, it was a combination of, so like when I first, the first rockabilly that I, band that I saw was the Buzzards and they're based out of Long Island. And ironically, I just had band practice with the drummer from that. So <laughs> I played with him. So it's, um, so it was bands like um, the Buzzards, Six Gun Republic, Sasquatch and the Sickabillies. Um, there were so Psycho Charger, there were um, Memphis Morticians. There were so many great bands that were just kind of like in New York that were playing and that they were doing this really cool new to me kind of stuff. Um, and at the time it was a mix of like rockabilly, garage, psychobilly, uh, punk rock. It was all just kind of like put in there together. Um, yeah. And they were just like the caliber of musician that was in all of these bands was just like so amazing to me. Um, so I, I loved them. And then I loved like, you know, I think my first, oh, I can actually see it here. All right. When I first got into rockabilly, I got this and this is just there. This is just there. So this is rock and bones. Do you, do you guys, ah. there you go. Good spot. Did you ever see this? No. So I got this. It is from Rhino Records and it's like all of these like old kind of like B tracks of like rockabilly songs like Charlie Feathers, Janice Martin, uh, Jack Scott, Johnny Carroll, um, Jackie DeShannon, Pat Cup. And it was just like all of this. And I remember getting this compilation for CDs and just being like, it's like punk rock, <laughs> but it was so much fun. So I just really connected to the music that was going on right now. And then the original era, like Rockabilly. 
and then it wasn't until like much later that um I kind of like got into the 90s like revival of it and like hearing like what was going on in the eight, 70s 80s and 90s so to me it was like what my friends were doing and it was like you know the original cats from like the 50s yes I love it I love it yeah but oh my god this was like this was the best this is like out of print oh this was, yeah, this is like a hundred tracks of just like random rockabilly goodness. And then from there, there was also um, Lux and Ivy um, had from the Cramps. Um, they put together on, I think it was WFMU Records, like their favorite hits. So it was like Lux and Ivory's favorites, like volume one through seven. So, and that was like all the kooky, bizarre stuff because the Cramps were like the world's greatest cover bands. Like they didn't write any of their music. Everything was one of the best bands ever, though. Honestly, yes, bands ever. Absolutely, they had such good taste. So then, just like between like those compilations, like Lux and Ivy's compilations, and then just you know just digging through and kind of discovering everything, um, just that opened up this whole crazy world of like rockabilly and like kooky rhythm and blues and all that fun stuff garage I dig it so what did you get out of you if you said if it was all over tomorrow what did you get out of all the music what do you mean just what, what I, <laughs> that that what <laughs> did it do you your entire thing about your entire era of music how did it shape you how did how did music shape me the ability to figure out things for myself, the ability to like get in there and just like, if I want to do something, I will figure out how to do it. I will work at it. I don't care if I will suck at it. I will fail at it a whole bunch of times. There will be zero shame in it and I'll just keep on working at it. And that'll be like part of the journey is like messing it up and, you know, learning from like these mistakes and then just, you know, being able to go at it. And I think that coming to it from punk rock, from like original era, one take only rockabilly, you know, Sun Records, the mistakes are fine. Some of the times the mistakes are the things that make it a little bit special. But yeah, I think that's, that is definitely music. Just trying to like figure it out. And fuck yeah. it up and figure it out. <laughs> Good wording. I like all that. That's great. So outside of, um, Outside the solo album coming up, I mean, do you have other things going on in your head of musically you want to accomplish? Yeah. Yes. Or it, or it's um, going to keep coming. Yeah, it'll probably just keep coming too. Yeah, it'll keep coming. So I've, I'm finally, um, oh, this is so, I feel like such a, like, like, a, like I'm doing 10 million things at once, but this is just how my head operates. Um, so music wise, Screaming Rebel Angels, we're playing festivals, we're going on tour, we're playing like shows. Um, that's super fun. Um, I have the solo record. And then um, I do this like ambient synthscapes. That's all kind of like electronic stuff that just, um, I just, it just calms me down. I love it. It's just kind of like just noises that calm me. I don't know, but they're like really deset. They're really like unsettling and kind of like creepy. Um, so I just, I make all that just like nonstop. I'm just playing together. And I think it's like, might be like, I don't know if it's too bizarre to release, but then also a part of me is like, I love doing this so much. I don't know if I'm ready to be vulnerable to share it with the world. Like 
my weird like dystopian synthscapes. Um, well, we'll, uh, all, we'll all be on standby waiting <laughs> anxiously when you do. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I guess we're going to wrap that up there. So what, uh, is there any plugs, any shows coming up? Feel free to, or anyone, how they could contact you. Feel free to drop that. Um, you can just at screaming rebel angels on Instagram or on the internet. Um, there's no G in screaming or look me up at Laura rebel angel. Um, feel free to reach out, book me for shows, <laughs> do stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Laura, you're a great human. I'm so glad we're still chatting and staying. Hey, you're awesome. You are awesome. <laughs> Can you say Hena for me? Say what? Hena. Hena? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Hena. <laughs> All right. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Laura, thank you so much for stopping by. And I thank this audience for once again uh, taking the time to check out the show. Please hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. And with that, I say, the party.